Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to The Shit Show. Beast Pope needs to put down the vape. Kia ora everyone and welcome back to the beloved podcast um, for all the news lovers in the country, the shit show. You're the country? In the country. In the country. Like in the bush. Yeah, no, countries. no. You're, you're international. In the bush. <laughs> um, as you can tell, I'm here with equally beloved Dunk, which is a horrible thing to say if you knew the subtext of beloved. <laughs> You're here with Dunk, who's flying off to Mexico tonight. I, I don't think I've ever been more online than yeah. I am right now, because I do fly to Mexico in about six hours, but also here in our country, just a, a giant news story that's extremely, my shit just broke, and I've been trying to cover that. And... Go and listen to The Fold, Duncan's podcast, because he has an emergency episode that... I recorded about... Eight minutes ago. And will it be out by now? Yeah, defo. Okay. I mean, defo. Samuel, I think, edited it in about <laughs> three minutes, like genuinely. That's how, that's how good Duncan is at talking. He just doesn't need any edits. Um, Duncan, one thing that we do have to talk about this week, just really quickly, be- quickly before we get into the news, something you were also on one about to me one time when we went to have a catch-up is Married at First Sight. <gasps> I'm so happy you did this. No, I'm obsessed. And I don't think I've been vocal enough about it on any of these platforms. So to the beloved news listeners from the countries, um, you must you must go and watch Married at First Sight Australia. I haven't finished it. So luckily you can't talk back to me because I don't want spoilers. But Duncan, huge thank you for bringing that into my life. I, I, yeah, I mean, I basically almost made it like a friendship test. <laughs> you did because it's a big commit, yeah, right? It's like, a huge commitment. You know, to, it's good. I think the the all up, you're, you're looking about thirty five hours. Yeah. Um, over the course of the season, but. Because I was watching it, like I've watched this show for years and podcasted about it, shout out to The Real Pod, for, for some <laughs> time. And I love it, but I thought this season, because I was watching it with alongside Love Island, and Love Island was just, yeah, it just felt dusty. Yeah. And then this was just kind of electric. Like even by Merit at First Sight standards, it was just extra, extra. To the point where like, like I feel like Merit at First Sight has become this kind of in Australia, they call it married, next on married. Yeah. And, and I feel like it's become this kind of part of the, the Australian culture to the point where people are like, I know that people get ready for Love Island. You know, they have the, the surgeries and the all the rest of the stuff that goes into it. But like, The surgery. Well, surely they have surgeries. You can't the look people, like that. The That's people that are going on there? Yes. Oh, I thought you meant like the general public. Oh, that like, too, obviously. They're having surgeries to make sure they can sit for the amount of time <laughs> no, they need no. to sit. Their attention span's going to be there. I'm not being clear. <laughs> but I'm married at first sight. I feel like people genuinely are like living these like repellent <laughs> lives 
as a way of training to be yeah. fucked up enough to go on the show. Yeah, I will say I was really reluctant to watch it because I'd always thought in my head Married at First Sight is cringe or something or boring or something. And then I watched it and it's it was like 10 times maybe probably more better than Love Island and that is like from a Love Island super fan, especially this season Love Island was sort of like like Island or something. But anyway, Married at First Sight just has this villain and this really horny lady and just like people that you don't often get to see for hours on end on your TV in a reality like way. They also get to drink heaps. The things they, to drink heaps yeah, think matters. Yeah. And so like all living in apartments in this building so that they've got sort of naughty off camera time where Love Island you yeah. always yes. scrutinise, you know? And, and oh. It's just better. Like, it's just better and it's really good and we just felt like we had to do a bit of a – I felt like I had to bring it to the podcast because – I appreciate it because I, yeah. I was like, I'm I'm out here and if this doesn't work <laughs> – I'm I, out I, here putting my life on the well, line. Like, how could I – how could you ever trust a wreck from me again? Yeah, I know. Because a 35-hour wreck. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually true and it's it has been great and I've been texting Duncan with, like, many an update and I never expect him to respond but he also comes back – he always comes back with, like, really good takes so – it's just nice to be appreciated. Um, weirdest thing I saw on the internet this week, because I know you don't have one. Or do you? Well. It's more of a news story. It's more of a news And it's story. kind of related to this, so we'll just jump into it's it. It's totally related to this. this. Let's just soup it all. Did you see the photo of Pope Francis in a big puffer trench coat this week? I subscribe to your newsy, <laughs> and so I did. Had and you that seen was, it? That was my favourite. That was the, that was the debut. And it was my favourite thing I saw on the internet this week, by far. And my favourite thing in the newsie this week. It was oh, so good. So oh. interesting. Well, thanks. And it's good because it was such a easy story to write because it was like everyone believed that this one story of the Pope in a puffer jacket went uh, was real. It's not just any puffer jacket. Like, okay, it's describe like a, it. It's like a long white trench coat puffer jacket. It Dripping looks, in yeah, jewels. Like he looks dope as fuck. He's a dope pot. He's a, he's <laughs> he a dope, dope pope. And I do have to say, just before we get any further into this, I just read like 11 minutes ago from the BBC, Pope Francis now has a respiratory infection and will be in hospital for the next few days in Rome. So. The, this is, but this this is the problem, right? Like, we live in a world where <laughs> drip pope, global news story, completely <laughs> fantastical. But hospital pope. pope hospital pope. Pope on a drip. Pope on a drip. Oh, my God. Lucy, you just did that. Is nowhere. No one's going to know about Pope that. On a trip. No, and now we're giggling about it in this way. That's not fine. That's but anyway, fine. I just thought I'd bring that up. That um, he needs to hype beast Pope needs to put down the vape. No, I, this is no. <laughs> oh my god! Doing? Leave that in, Ruby. Oh my god. Okay. So anyway, this photo you've seen it by now because you all read the newsletter. A photo of the Pope in drippy, drippy French, French coat. No. <laughs> A drippy, drippy puffer coat. Why did I say yeah, French? I don't know. Cause, is it because of the pension reform stuff we've got coming? Oh. Don't, don't touch that dial. We're going to be talking about pension reform <laughs> later on. We're going to be talking about French toast. I think I was going to say French toast. Anyway, as you can tell, I'm a little bit delirious today. Um, it went viral. I saw it on Twitter, first of all, as a normal photo. Didn't really think much of it. And then saw it on Twitter as someone had been like, hey, do you guys all know that this is AI generated? And then I was like, no, I fucking did not. And then I saw um, a journalist that we both read, and I for the most part like him, um, Ryan Broderick from Garbage Day. He wrote about how this is like the first kind of mass, low-stakes AI 
hallucination. Um, yeah, kind of, like misinformation yeah. story. And I liked it because it was low stakes, so it was easier to talk about. We're used to seeing stories about deep fake and deep fakes and how they're used in porn or in political sort of circumstances. This was like, oh, we can just be duped on our timeline anytime with any anything. It's like the end of uh, re- objective reality or something. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's like really funny. Also, but, Makes you think. Well, because the and this I wrote this in the newsletters. I didn't have very many hot takes about this, except for like, if we come into this like question everything you see era, which a lot of people already have during COVID and question everything you read and question everything conspiracy vibes. If we are all taught now to question everything we see, half of it's like, oh, good, you'll get another source and you'll corroborate and you'll find out that it was made on Mid Journey and posted into a Reddit thread, like this photo was or or you're just gonna it's gonna be like no everything needs proof and facts and I don't believe anything and I can make up all these sort of conspiracies yeah just it it does feel like because the the, I mean fact checking is really hard yeah like that's that's the other thing is while this is a a, this is relatively easy um, but a lot of fact checking of like a statement requires it's a really difficult professional skill most things are complicated the extra layer of has the thing that I'm seeing been kind of expertly machine created for the purposes of deception? That's just not a, that's not going to be a, a mass skill. Yeah, and it's just like an annoying. Mainly, it's yeah, just it's, annoying. God, it's like hard enough. No, to just trying to live in it's this like era. The boy who cried wolf, but just everything you see and everything like sometimes it will be true. Sometimes it, sometimes the pope will be in a really cool. Trench coat. He'd be That's crazy what I was to not to get that trench now yeah, when he gets out. Oh, when he gets no, out. the drip. When he, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I love how this podcast has started. So, anyway, that's my weirdest thing. Um, Duncan, I know you want to talk a little bit about GPT-4. Is that what it is? Yeah, GPT-4 is the, the kind of latest iteration of chat GPT. The previous one that we were working with was uh, 3.5. Okay. And basically, it's just sort of orders of magnitude better. Like, you know, like there's just a few quite, you know, ways of sort of expressing that. You know, like, for example, I think it gets about a 1400 or so on the SATs, which would put it at about the 95th percentile. And I also read that this isn't just because it has learnt previous SAT tests. It's actually answering fresh tests. Well, whatever the, whatever the question is, yeah. it, gets, it gets about 95, you know, it's, it's about 95, 95th percentile. So one, of, one in 20 level smart. It can also pass the bar. It can pass the bar. It can pass the medical medical examinations board kind of stuff. Um, I actually did read a thread. Now that I thought I didn't know anything about GPT four, and now I'm thinking back, and I read someone that whose dog was really sick. They took it to the vet. The vet couldn't figure out why it was sick, so they just on a whim put all of its like symptoms into GPT four, and it came up with this like buzzy thing that the vet hadn't considered and it turned out that that's what was actually wrong with the dog now it's alive. I mean people have fact checked that. No, but people who have tested it it's kind of knowledge of uh, medical issues say that it's that's a really extraordinary wow. use case that you know Look us, out WebMD. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean like yeah, whole companies that that are sort of not really plausible uh, anymore, right? And that, that's the underlying implication is like this thing is enormous, it's consequential, it's going to change the world. There was wow. a really great 
Ben Thompson, who's, who writes this newsletter, Stratechery. Um, oh, my God. I always thought that was stretchatory. And then maybe it is. <laughs> no. I mean, it's a terrible name. No, like, I we know. We can all agree on that. But it's a very good newsletter. <laughs> and he's writing about it kind of al- almost constantly, <laughs> uh, different aspects of it from the from the Bing side too. Uh, the, the thing that he wrote yesterday was about how this – when this was released – yeah, you know, so this was we were talking way back, like five months ago. Um, that there was this idea that it was, I mean, because OpenAI, which is the the company behind uh, ChatGPT, began life as a not-for-profit research lab, yes. and that's what a lot of people in in AI are. And then they put this thing out, um, and basically thought it's a way of sort of almost like making the research live. Like, yeah, we'll see how people use this. And and what Ben Thompson wrote about is that. This research lab is now becoming an enormous consumer tech company in like the blink of an eye. Yeah, and it used to be like a, here's another sort of insight into like how impactful it's already been, and that it used to be that one of the most searched, if not the most searched um, term, I love this fact uh, on Bing was Google. Yeah. So people just wanted to people get out of get Microsoft's crummy thing and get to Google. Now one of the most searched terms on Google is ChatGPT. Okay, so that's a very good prediction into well, maybe the future of search. Well, well, that, that's that's the big kind of uh, the big thing that is lurking behind all this is that you know ChatGPT is has got huge investment from uh, Microsoft, you know, and it's all of the immense computing power that it requires is through Microsoft's Azure cloud computing platform, and so and if it replaces search as the dominant. First thing we do when we have a, a query on the internet that's catastrophically destructive to its arch rival Google's, uh, you know, money printing machine. And I even heard that it can do things like in the office. I heard today that if you type in like a prompt for some music you want to be made, like albeit janky, I don't know if this is with GPT four actually, but with one of these new things, like you can get music. Which I don't know how I feel about this. Again, licensed, like you're allowed to use music, it, yeah. and it's just being created, like by this AI thing, and it's just so buzzy because it's like, what fucking can't it do? I see people making websites from it, like full on, like what's going to happen to Squarespace and Wix and things like that? Because GPT five will be able to build it, probably. I don't know. Well, I mean, there's an there's actually an amazing video on. LinkedIn. Whoa. Oh my God. I did say God. that. Where a dude like Ooh. does like, I know. Sorry. He does this like heinously ugly, like you literally, you or I could do it. Yours would probably <laughs> even be nice. Drawing of a website. Oh no, I can Takes do it. a photo of it. Um, basically says, can you code this for me? And GPT-4 is like, yep. And then creates a functioning website no. out of it. And it's like three minutes. And It's kind of amazing. It, it is amazing. But it's it's also like the sort of second-order consequences of it are so vast and so head-spinning and it's moving yes. so quickly that it feels almost impossible to properly wrap your head around it. You know, like... Yeah. It makes... It makes... And this doesn't have to be a segue if it if we don't want it to be, but it makes things like TikTok and social media feel old. It feels like, we oh, we've missed the boat on regulating them. 
we might as well try starting to think about how we regulate this new era. And there's a lot of people who are really, really concerned about that. Is Ezra Klein, you know, very good journalist, a podcaster at the New York Times, wrote this quite chilling piece about how he's like, you know, we, we need to do this right now. Like it's yeah. almost like an emergency. We can't, you know, social media was one thing. It got out of control. It's very hard to put the genie back in the bottle. But right now this thing is growing so fast and it's, potential consequences are so enormous that a lot of people within AI are like, regulate us now. We can't stop working. Yeah. These are our jobs. But someone needs to, you know, these are uncontrolled releases. You know, that, And it's just annoying that regulation comes down to like the government because when they're asking questions like how do you connect to, oh, does TikTok use Wi-Fi? And like <laughs> is it fucking watching your pupils dilate to understand you? It's just I hold very little hope. In regulators, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not a not a hot take, crazy not take. a controversial take, not eh? a controversial take to to think that our institutions have been in better shape than they are at the moment. It sucks. But are we ready to talk about TikTok, or have you still got things to say on GPT four? I mean, I think honestly, like I really mean this. Okay, I think we should be talking about GPT and and you know large language models every week for probably ever. Okay. Know? Like, I think they're going to be that impactful. On the shit show or just in general? I mean, on the shit show. Oh, Let's okay, just cool. try and That's Duncan's guardrails. beat, which I actually really love. Like, he's come on this week and he's following up things that we spoke about a few weeks ago that I hadn't followed up. So if you like that being Dunk's beat, turn into the shit show. I mean, I'll try I'll try and come with, with more specifics rather than just holy shit <laughs> as a reaction. But at the start, future. it does have to be a bit holy shit because, like, bringing people specifics right now, isn't going to help us like come to terms with what's actually here. I mean, the, the thing, the, the holy shit of it in, in a lot of ways is like, you know, just I'll, I'll, just I'll close on this, is that I think for us as civilians, like, it's dazzling. But there are a lot of people who have been around for a long time, Ben Thompson is one of them, who remember different eras of the internet, who remember what it was like when, you know, when the iPhone arrived and what, what these various phases of computing meant. And... You know, Bill Gates, obviously founder of Microsoft, but a but a very smart person who has seen, seen a lot of things. It's like this is like the printing press; like nothing will ever be the same after this. Mm. And so, the, the number of really smart people who are just, you know, we there will be like before you know generative AI and after generative AI, yeah. and the world will change very fast and very fundamentally. You know, that's that's hard to hard to forget. I do have to say, I did a podcast, I did Culture Vulture this week, and we did it on Enneagram numbers, and Duncan is a number seven, which is an enthusiast, and I am a number eight. We actually spoke about me and you on mic. I'm number eight, which is like a challenger, which is why when, like, Duncan is always so enthused about the next era of anything, like, so big on just jumping headfirst into things like this, case in point when, like, Web3 and crypto was the thing. But, like, that's fine. I And I Shame. fell into... No, I fell into the challenger role there again. But this one, I feel like, is for some reason, it's different. Like, this really does feel like it's going to fundamentally fucking, like, change things. And it's kind of exciting. And I'm having to, like, not do the challenging thing. Oh, no, I, it's really important. And, and you know, like, it's... Uh... Like, the thing is, it could be seen as just the latest grift. Like, there are a bunch of people who are real big on crypto who are just suddenly now real, yeah. big, real <laughs> big on Gen AI. 
And um, I think being uncritically enthusiastic is is like a problem, but but this uh, one's kind of dope. This one's doper. Well, it's also just so big already. Like yeah. the, the 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 number of users, the the number of like really significant, like you know, use cases that are out there. Like it's just it's yes. not like all vaporware and yes. big ideas like Web three and a lot more. Yeah, user friendly and understandable. Yes. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Anyway, one thing that um, is very user-friendly for me because I use it about 10 hours a day. How's that for a segue? Um, TikTok. I don't really, I actually don't want to spend that much time talking about TikTok because I feel like I've read or seen so much about this potential ban um, all over all of my feeds. But it's actually interesting because, again, when Dunk Glass came on the shit show, he was he brought to the table like um, what happens if TikTok gets banned or you know, the first proper introduction I had had to the fact that this, like, was it a hearing? What even was it? This, Yeah, I think it was a hearing. Yeah, this catch-up was going to happen um, where the TikTok CEO was going to get grilled. And so now it seems very fitting that in the time since he last came on, we have had the grilling. And I don't feel confident that anything will change off the back of it. Do you? Well, I mean... I think that the, for the, TikTok, for TikTok, no, I don't think. I, I think that regulating social media is incredibly hard. It, it, there's very little, little of it that has happened, so it does, in some ways, kind of lend itself towards a more blunt instrument, either ban it mm. or, or let it run. So, you know, and, and there's also that problem that you alluded to earlier, and that you know the. Our elected representatives, particularly in the U.S., which is the, the the battleground for all this stuff, tend to be a lot older. They tend to kind of have weird, impure motives, and certainly not to be as schooled on it as like the average sort of tech journalist, let alone even just like a normal young yeah. person. Um, so yeah, you know, some so you get these kind of r- ridiculous questions asked of uh, asked of the tech leaders. I, I've read and and I would tend to agree with the analysis that. People thought that the overall quality of the average question asked of the uh, TikTok CEO was better than those asked of uh, Mark Zuckerberg during the Senator We Sell Ads. Yeah. But still, it didn't feel like we got a long way. Yeah. It did feel only because, and this is so typical, and there was probably actors at play here, the ones that I saw on TikTok. The reason I thought it was so bad is because I watched the fucking trial hearing, whatever it was, on TikTok, so I only saw the things that made the US government look dumb. And that's not surprising to me because well, that's exactly, it's exactly what TikTok wants. Well, no, I don't think it's necessarily – yeah, well, yeah, it probably is in this specific instance, but that actually speaks to the fundamental – so there's two reasons why people think it could be banned. One is the, um, the, the data being misused, you know, Every, every company that operates uh, that, is, that is owned by China, there is a law which says the, the, the Chinese government basically kind of 
can get in there yeah. and get amongst. So there's the idea that they would kind of use that data for malign purposes. Um, but Just the, like US companies do, though? Uh, well, absolutely. Yeah. You know, but, but uh, it's, less, it's, it's, it's more overt yes. and, and understood and baked into the system there. And then the second part being that the Chinese government or might not even have to actually do it. it could, they could just sort of give a, a little nod yeah. to the right person that, that it would kind of subtly alter the mix of content shown in a way that advances their geopolitical interests. Oh, my God. I'm seeing thirst traps after thirst traps of the TikTok CEO, like, coming up. Like, everyone, like, loves – not everyone. My For You page loves him, and I haven't done anything to, like, prompt that. So let's just think about that for a, sec- for a second, right? Like, if you're, you know – you you are a an avid consumer of TikTok. You're a relative power user. You're, you know, like setting aside the, how sophisticated your consumption and, and analysis is. The the fact that you come out of this going, you know, yeah, I know. The I TikTok know. CEO is really yes. cool, and the you, the people trying to regulate it are fucking morons. That's in China's interest. I know. That's why I led the segment off with that because and I'm it's like, wild. Yeah, I know, and it's like. It felt very much like the only vibe that I was getting from this until I went and read about it was, <laughs> you remember when there was that like, and what are we going to do about the Finsters? Or what do you plan to do about Finster? Totally. I was like, it's just, even if there was good stuff in there, like you just said, that the questions asked were actually like better than in previous times. I, as a TikTok power user, and if I if that was my only way of getting news, all I knew was the like... Does it connect to home Wi-Fi? Well, yes, just like fucking Netflix and fucking Gmail and everything. Yeah. Um. So, I agree that it, it's in it's in China's interest. Also, it's just like I am of the very. This is so bad of me. But I'm of the very um stupid and and no offense to Gen Zs and one of you, but the opinion of like I don't really care who has my data. And so I think when, and this is a very individual way of looking at things, like I apologize right now for not looking at the whole of society, but when I think about TikTok being banned, I'm like, to me, it takes away, I don't think it will actually get banned, but it would take away like, I see concerts on there that I would never fucking be able to go and see, which I know, again, is a bad thing, because when I did see Harry Styles, it ruined it for me, because I had seen the highlight reel and I didn't get that at my show. But again, people that have never been able to afford to go to a concert, can see something, or oh, I'll never get to see Taylor Swift's Eras tour. Saw that on a, on a live stream. You've got to come. You, I want to come, bro. I want to come, but it's you're, like you're gonna, you're gonna. I'll get a ticket. Yeah. Do you reckon? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. This conversation's over. All I needed was Duncan's validation <laughs> that I would get to go and see Taylor Swift. Um, I don't know. I've bought art off there. I've bought jewelry off there. I've like these small creators that I love that do cool shit on there. So I look at it from a very selfish perspective of. Um, I want to keep it because it's fun for Lucy and I don't care who has my data, but I know it's much more important than that. I mean, I think the the, the reason, if you just sort of flip it around and you go like, what does China, China views information as of paramount national importance. It would, it would never let a, a foreign social media yes. entity operate within its borders. Yes. You know, it, I mean, there's there's also been you know, sorry not to make it about ChatGPT again, but Please. the, the um, you know the people are sort of speculating that this that the the fact of the the sort of free spread of 
original information um, sort of produced, uh, you know, like instantaneously that, that is at the core of ChatGPT is also why China is basically going to have to skip this whole tech cycle mm. because it's too destabilizing for an authoritarian regime oh. to allow for, you know, that kind of uh, information creation and surfacing. So, I have never I have never thought about that. That is so interesting that they'll have to skip this whole like what have you been calling it generative AI. Yeah. Like that's so interesting because they don't want they can't control what a non-sentient AI is saying to its people. Yeah, I mean that like there's a world where they could kind of train it on China's yeah, internet, yeah. but it's basically inherently a really hard thing to get your arms around. And so they're already way behind in, in this race. Um and I guess that's the kind of the paradox of it. Like, you know, if if the China would never allow uh Facebook or Instagram yes. to operate within its yes. borders the way uh the US has allowed TikTok to operate within within its own. And because there is, you know, a regime that is, you know, it's out there, you know, just hanging out with Putin and, and uh, you know, like it, it's very aggressive They're and the open. Baddies, yeah. Yeah, with, with its, uh, with its um, geopolitical stance that it's, it's unimaginable to me that they would not seek to use TikTok as this sort of social weapon yes. at some point when, yeah. it, when it suited them. And so you kind of can't have it sitting there resting, yep. waiting for a moment to be deployed. <laughs> yeah. That's why I do think it will be banned. Oh, okay. Do you actually think it will be? Yeah. Maybe well, I'm just... Banned like, or, or uncoupled, like forcibly taken yeah. from them. I mean, they've said that they won't allow that. That's why I think it's more likely to be banned than this sort of Project Texas solution where yeah. it becomes like a domestic um, company, which also has its, all of its own complications. That'll be so interesting for us to podcast on if it gets banned, just the uprising of young people in particular um, if that uh, happens. Or fucking MetaShare prizes. <laughs> share prizes. Well, will, will MetaShare price tri- triple? Will there be protests in the streets? Why, why, how I know. will people respond? I don't know. I, w- I would say they would make a whole lot of TikTok videos about it that would get so many likes and views. I like, Reels just aren't going to pop off in the way that TikTok it's, has. They haven't figured out. There will have to be a copycat app. If someone's in their building one right now, um, then I don't know. There will be heaps of copycat apps. But they that's will. really interesting that um, you think it will get banned. I think it's because I literally, this is how like intense TikTok is to me and all my friends. I literally can't see a world where the US, like especially, don't have it because that's all I see. Also, like China are bad. <laughs> no, also like the, the CCP is, is yeah. fucking bad. Like, And, you know, they've been accused of tracking journalists and, like, when people speak out about them, people go missing and, like, you know, it's not like I'm on here saying, no, we need to keep this app. Like, it's so fun. I love it. Like, I also do understand that this is um, quite real. But I don't know. I just feel maybe it's because it's unfathomable to me right now. But I really can't wait. I don't even know when we find out. I don't even know where to from here. I think there are just people just sitting with it. I, I don't, it doesn't feel like it's in, it's it's close. I just to, to if you know that there is a scary weapon, yeah. that is in over half of your population, yeah, and you don't know what yeah. exactly how it could be used or what the consequences of the weapon being used are. I just think. You know, as bad and weird and kind of uh, dysfunctional as the U.S. government is, I can't imagine that at some point someone says, "Look, we've just got to turn the weapon off." Yeah, 
the the hardest part is that there is a weird negative incentive structure there where even if there's like bipartisan agreement that the weapon needs to be turned off, the whoever does it will have massive and I think massively negative political consequences as a result. I know. Which is kind of like what we're about to talk about in France is like whoever was going to... Totally. Great segue. <laughs> whoever was going to bring these new reforms in was going to see an uprising. I don't know if you could have expected the type of um, uprising there. Oh, you can. It's France. You can. It's France. France lo- loves to, like, stop a motorway. Like, yeah. They love a protest. <laughs> they love a protest. You know, I'm, like, I've like never farm- been. farmers just, just drive their tractors onto the motorway and then just, just <laughs> park up for the day. Like, it's it's a re- – like, there's probably few countries in the world that love a protest as much as France. It okay. Kind of founded as a republic from a protest. In case you're wondering what we are – jibber-jabbering about right now. Um, There's lots of protests going on in France right now because of pension reform. Nothing I ever thought that I would, one, find interesting or two, like even pick as a story to talk about, either either in the newsletter or on the shit show. But I wrote about it very briefly in one newsy and so many people responded being like, thank you for talking about this. And then even Duncan messaged me being like, I really want to talk about pension reform in France. I was like, oh my God, what is it with this story? Started reading a little bit into it and it's actually very interesting and Dunk chatted to me a little bit about it and it feels like something that a few countries might need to go through at some stage. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of a run through so that you have some background from when me and Dunk actually, you know, give some hot takes. So protesters and police at the moment have been clashing massively in France um, because literally hundreds of thousands, as we just heard, France loves a protest. So hundreds and thousands of people have been taking part in marches against Emmanuel Macron's use of executive powers, so, like, I'm going to talk about what they are in a second, to push through a very unpopular rise in the pension age from 62 to 64. So this is saying that the age that you can retire in France and get the pension um, is going up to 64. This is really fucking unpopular in France. 68% of people um, oppose this reform, and it's like... Compared to other places in Europe, like in Britain, where the pension age is 66, and Germany, where it's 67, um, the idea of going from 62 to 64 to outsiders can be like, what's the big idea? But just quickly, not only are people not impressed at the actual, like, raising of the age, which we're going to get into massively soon, but they're also not impressed with the way that this reform happened. Basically, the only way to guarantee a victory um, to get this sort of across the line required the president to invoke Article 49.3 of the French Constitution, which enables a government to push a bill through the National Assembly without a vote, and it then exposes that pres- uh, the cabinet to a no-confidence motion This all happened, um, and then they had the vote of no confidence, and it failed, which means that the bill still stands. So basically, he used his power, and this is seen seen as quite undemocratic to do. Um, He sort of, I think, got the vibes that no one was going to vote for this, so he used his power to push these reforms through. People are really unhappy. Um, I think France is known for having a very, like, you don't – live to work, you work to live, vibe about it. 
generous retirement benefits are seen as like a huge part of the nation's identity. Um, people are just really, really unimpressed because they're feeling like this is stabbing a hole in the heart of the nation. And it does affect women and like labour workers in a bit of a different way than to other workers, which is another big point of contention and why we're seeing such huge protests. Dunk, I know you have thoughts on pension reform. <laughs> I do, I do. I really, I'm quite passionate about it. You have seven minutes for them. Okay. Well, I mean... So setting aside, like, like you, so you got an email from a reader of your newsletter who, yeah. who laid out basically the reason that I'm broadly interested in and in favor of pension reform is that pensions were originally conceived like roughly like 100 years ago uh, when the, the average length of a human life was below the age of the, of the, 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 of a typical pension now. Yeah. So it's basically if you somehow won this kind of uh, Squid Games, <laughs> you know, race to race to for, you know, you know, human lottery, then the state would give you like a, a small amount of money enough to to live ideally a dignified yeah. life after you know you stop being physically able to work. And then, you know, technology and advances in medicine and indoor plumbing and Do you say medicine like medicine? Look, I, I don't. I say wow. a few words really weird because I was raised in the UK and yeah. read too many books when I was young. But like, basically, it's gone from being this rare prize to something that the average human can expect to have uh, to receive for somewhere around you know like twenty twenty five percent of their life. Obviously, that varies according to demography, and that is actually at the heart of some of the critiques of this law change, which I think are very valid. But fundamentally. We we have a situation now where if you think that the average working life will run between like twenty to to sixty odd, but if you're living well into your eighties, which is very people born now can probably expect to live to be ninety sort of a hundred. If you're working for around half or even less than half of your life, and the rest of the time, or at least the back half of it, the state is going to support you, that basically becomes kind of fiscally impossible. Uh, quite quickly and so yeah we probably should mention that's why the president's so for this is because he wants to what get france back into a good place financially or set them up for the future yeah. better financially and people sort of act like anyone wanting to get their budget in order is like a total dick, dick <laughs> move <laughs> when it's like i don't know man like really bad things happen to a country when it goes bankrupt yeah and a, a thing that has happened over the past 30 40 years while people have been getting older and dying less pensions just take up a bigger and bigger proportion of overall state expenses. So for every dollar in tax you pay, you know, that that the amount that's spent on pensions has gone from single digits to being mm. by far the biggest for a lot of countries, the biggest item of expenditure is, is pensions. So if you make a little, you know, comparatively small change like this, you've just got more money to spend on education or benefits for people with children or whatever the hell else it is you want to do as a country. So I think fundamentally, like, Pension reform. Look, this is the other thing. People who get pensions around the world, New Zealand, France, you name it, the richest people in every country are 65 and over. That's that's the by far the richest cohort. Yeah. And you're taking the biggest amount of money you have and giving it to them mostly universally without means testing. Yeah. So there's just some sort of fundamental fairness arguments there. Not to say it's uncomplicated, but those are the things that have made me go, 
I think this is something we really need to look at. Yeah. To give another perspective, we had a French reader write in and she sent a very long email, which I'm not going to read all of it um, to you. because Great email though. Yeah, it was a fucking, it was, it really gave me all the context I felt like I needed considering we don't have a French person in the room right now to be like, let's um, give you some airtime. So she said, here it isn't a matter of having to work longer. The way the system works in France, the legal age is really in the background. What matters is the number of trimesters you've worked for your whole life. So currently you have to work 166 trimesters, so 41 years and six months, to get the pension. With the new law, this is raised to 172 trimesters, so 43 years. And then she said, following this, there are two people, in my opinion, that are challenging cases. So people with really long careers, so people that have been working before they were 18 years old. and Because those trimesters have to happen between, like, post-18, right? Yeah. So she said this is um, because in the long career case, no trimesters are counted before you're oh, 16, before you're 16 sure. years old. That's marginal cases, but still non-trivial yeah, for so, those people. Yeah. Um, and she basically said usually these people are doing sort of manual work and hard and challenging work. And then they continue to do that type of work throughout the rest of their life. And um, But they aren't paid for those few years that they worked in the beginning. And then there's also women who she thinks are the second group that are being who are coming out of this quite unfairly. She said, as you said in this newsy, women are already less paid, so their pension is already lower than men's, and that's because you also have to contribute to your pension. But on top of that, when they have to take maternal leave, their contributions don't count and they only receive half the trimesters. Don't even ask me what happens to a woman asked to stay at home and take care of their children, I'm assuming because then they don't get to add any trimesters to their years of work. So, look, I mean, but that's those are two awesome points, particularly yeah. the latter, I think. Yeah. Like, but that actually just points to like, like a structural unfairness within, uh, you know, France is known for being a pretty patriarchal society, to be yeah. honest. Like, though, reform from there. Like, yeah. And, and, you know, like, you could argue that the use of executive powers meant that that was, that was difficult uh, to achieve. Like, you would normally have, like in New Zealand, we'd have a select committee and you'd evolve the law um, through feedback and, and that kind of a forum. So, and I, and I think that there's, that's, there's also like, you know, in, in New Zealand, for example, Māori and Pacific peoples don't live as long. So they actually receive the, the pension for a shorter period of time on average and, and yet the pension is applied universally. Yeah. There are a lot of complexities yeah. in, this, um, in this area. But they are solvable, like yeah. with with smart people, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, thinking hard about it. I don't think France has remotely got it right, uh, but fundamentally, like, like something needs to change. Something yeah. needs to change, yeah. and I guess that's the because we can't just never, ever, ever change. But you've got to do it with the people, like the people that are already suffering the most. Obviously, at the core of that, it's going to become unaffordable because also birth rates are plunging around the world. So. You know, you've got a lot of old people who are going to live forever. Who are supposed, you know, in in France at least you make contributions to your own pension. Here, the pension is is created by current working people. So, you know, I'm I'm in my early forties. Like, I'm very confident that the pension will be different, if not like further off and smaller and means tested by the time I get to pension age. For you, I've you know, never thought about a pen- I've ne- before this. I've never thought about a pension, right? To, to you, and it will definitely not be the same. For you, so that's why I feel like young people should be massively in favour of of reform, reform. But for the most part, we're just kind of 
not engage with the debate because it seems so far away. But that actually works to the advantage of people who are either receiving pensions or about to, and they and it ends up kind of distorting that very real need for reform. Wow. And to anyone that is in France, though, and that's fucked off with this, you are rightly so fucked off with this because you're feeling like it's affecting you in this huge way, which it is, and we will follow this story up as it continues to grow. Anyway, I didn't bring a good news story because I knew that it would just be so fun for you all to listen to me and Doug being on the mic and it was all going to feel like really good news, but the man has to run away to Mexico now, so we are going to wrap it up here. Good news for Doug, he's going to Mexico. That is... Amazing. What do they say? Hasta la vista. I don't know. Hasta uh, mañana. I won't see you tomorrow. I don't know. Um, Dunk, thank you for joining me. Oh, thanks it's for having you. me. It's been so fun. It's always fun. Sam, thanks for producing. You can't uh, talk back, but he's giving me a love heart. Bye, everybody. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher. Because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.